Hello, this is uh, Chuck Murphy with Nothing to Prove podcast. Um, we haven't been here for a little while. Um, thought I'd get back into doing a few podcasts and um, interviewing some people and maybe even doing some um, short mental health talks as well. Uh, but today I'm here with my mother, Elizabeth Ann Murphy, and it's been over a year since we've uh, talked on the podcast. Um, so we thought we would uh, give it another shot and see how we do and also maybe um, talk, talk about some subjects that um, we might need to, to unravel a little bit. So uh, welcome, Mom. How are you today? I'm feeling as well as expected. Yeah, so a lot of the, the people who come and listen to my podcast, um, they're people I probably know, I would imagine, and many of them um, are also very curious about how you're doing too. I've had many requests to interview you again and to start this podcast up again. And so the last, how long now have you been battling multiple myeloma? May 21st of 21 is when I found out. And I have the last stage, which is stage three. And that's where you have to be very careful with your body as um, it's uh, terminal. There is no cure, there are treatments that will help hold it at bay, but there is no treatment. So that started, uh, well, this coming May of 23 will be two years. It's amazing how you can remember the days that you were told certain things, the days that, that something happened to your health or maybe, um, some tragedy happened in your life and, and you, you remember those exact dates. Would you agree with I that? I try not to forget. Yep. Why is it important to remember? I think I can learn from them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a part of life, uh, of course, that's uh, the birth of a child, mm -hmm. the wedding date, and various holidays and happenings that you're able to be with family, group mm -hmm. together, and enjoy each other. Mm -hmm. What's been, with this, let's say, year and a half journey into to bone cancer, what's been the hardest part? Not being able to do what I used to. Mm -hmm. That's... Uh, I was active for my age, mm -hmm. and I did not stop being active. My body slowed down, mm -hmm. and I have no control over what the body does. So, you know, and I believe you should listen to your body because it tells me when to stop, sit down and rest and if you don't do those things you're going to wear yourself out um, i'm currently in chemo treatment and 22 days out of the month i am in some sort of treatment program chemo I take a chemo pill 21 days out of the month, and one day out of the month, I go in for infusions with chemo. Mm -hmm. So it's just a pattern that, that you set up, and, and it gets to be routine. Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that I noticed that has at least been difficult from from my standpoint as your son to watch is not only you losing your mobility but the pain you're in talk about the pain the pain yep because it's because well, bone, bone cancer itself is known to be an extremely painful cancer 
I was actually, when it was first diagnosed, I've been hurting for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I suspect it was part of the multibioma. And, uh, but they put me right away on a regimen of morphine and oxycodone if needed. Mm -hmm. In this year and a half, the pain has gotten worse and I have not increased the medication. They pretty well leave it up to me as to what my pain level is and what I need to be comfortable. I have a high tolerance for pain, always have, and that comes into effect when you're taking medication. Uh, I am never out of pain. Mm -hmm. On their scale that they use a one to 10, I'm never under a three or four. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's there, it's there right now. And um, I will only take the oxycodone if, if I think I've let it gone too far. Mm -hmm. So that's how I put it together because as long as I have left, I, want, I have things I want to do mm -hmm. and I want to be coherent so I can be with my family. And I appreciate those that will ask about my pain because I think maybe they can understand a little better that um, I'm not giving in to it. So, but the pain level, right now I'm gonna tell you, it's probably an eight. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the way it goes. It fluctuates? Yes, yeah. and my scale is, for taking it, I take the morphine in the morning. It's on an eight hour. Eight hours, I wake up about seven o'clock, but I take take the pain medication about eight, 12 hours later, I take, or is it eight hours later, mm -hmm. I take another one, eight hours later. So that puts me in early evening and then right before I go to bed. I take the oxycodone if I think I'm not gonna be able to go to sleep. So mm -hmm. I hope that sounded mm -hmm. logical. I think if, if your pain level, and this is something I think that your kids and and others that know you well recognize, is that if your pain level is at a three or four, for most people, that's probably a six, seven or so. If you're telling me today that your pain level is at an eight, you know, I would say for most, oh, most people, most it would be over a uh, ten, yeah. and they wouldn't be able to take it. Yeah, it'd be off the charts, and right. so. It's important for people that are listening to understand that, that we all have. But I think as my children, they've always known yeah. that I have a high pain tolerance and I accept it and work with it. Yep. And I think that your children, some of them have, at least have, have inherited that as well. Yes. Yep. I know they have. Yep. So you, you're on, you're on this, this journey here that you, you keep, you keep fighting, and you, um, your oncologist has said that your stubbornness, one, is, is um, part of what's helping you continue. Talk, talk a little bit about that stubbornness to, to live, because most people, when they hear the word stubborn, they think it's in a negative connotation where it's really not, especially in this case. It's actually a stubbornness to live. It's a stubbornness to battle with the cancer. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Well, let's, before I say stubborn, mm -hmm. which I already said there, um, I would like to say that, and I'm not patting myself on my back or anything like that, it's just my makeup, who I am, 
most time when anybody hears the word can cancer, that's the end for them. Mm -hmm. They go off the deep end. Mm -hmm. They have cancer. What do I do? You know, how long am I going to live? And all of that. My stubbornness goes with I do not accept what they build up a graph that mm -hmm. or anything. Uh, I don't. I don't accept giving up. I know. I will live until. And I am spiritual. Mm -hmm. So therefore, that puts me. I don't have to worry about the date that I'm going to pass from this world. My children should not worry about the date that I'm going to pass because it's out of our hands. There's mm -hmm. nothing we can do about it. Mm -hmm. So therefore, my stubbornness. Yes, but I've been stubborn all my life. Yep. And it's probably helped you in many ways. I well, I think it did. It got me through a lot of hard 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 hardships. Mm -hmm. Um when I was a child, most parents would tell their child and I'm a country girl would tell their child, oh, don't go walking in those woods. There's rattlesnakes up there. Well, that was a challenge to me. Because mm -hmm. I was smart enough to know to watch for the rattlesnakes. And no, I did not wear boots. I didn't have, I barely had shoes. But I've never been one that somebody could say you can't do that because I will show you I can. And that's the stubbornness mm -hmm. that has lived with me my entire life and continues to. I don't think I'm so stubborn that I, I have mm -hmm. a point that I will say, uncle, give up. But it's there, and I'm not going to turn it loose because it's been my friend for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's got me through a lot of situations that were impossible, but I'm still here. Yep. So I actually, you know, I, I, I actually prefer instead of using, and especially in this situation, situations I've been in, things that you've had to endure through your lifetime, I actually prefer the word resilience because I think that that's a, it's a more clear definition of what you're dealing with and what's been going on. That uh, resilience is a nicer word than stubborn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. If you told people that I had a lot of resilience, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be giving you the I. Yep. Every time so I much. Yeah. But when you say that I'm stubborn, I take issue with it. <laughs> well, you shouldn't, because it doesn't have to be um, negative. I would say I'm not the only family member that is weighed down with tons of resilience. Mm -hmm. They do not accept a hardship. They work through it. Mm -hmm. Which I think is something you taught. You know. uh, I think it's, I don't know if you said taught. Yeah, that you taught us. I, yep. I don't know if I would say that as much as setting an example. Mm -hmm. I believe that after I started having my children and they got big enough to quit playing with boxes instead of expensive toys, that um, I was supposed to set an example for how they should live. And I it wasn't anything that would weigh them down or whatnot, but, uh, you know, be respectful mm -hmm. to your elders. Be respectful to authorities. And let's explain that. 
just because someone's old does not mean that you have to be respectful, but what you can do is be respectful enough to walk away. Mm -hmm. Because we have a lot of older people that think they're right when they are wrong, but mm -hmm. they're stubborn enough mm -hmm. to carry it on, and I don't believe in that. What do you think, um, you know, as you've aged, you're, you're 83 and a half. Mm-hmm, yes. As you've aged, um, you know, you have lived a long life. You, you've lived a long life. I've been fortunate yep. that I have lived long enough to see a lot and learn a lot. It, what is what is something that you would tell listeners that are are young, you know, in their twenties, thirties, forties, the the folks like me that are, you know, emerging into their fifties and on up, you know, and in, in starting to climb you know, sort of that ladder into, you know, into older age, what would you, what would you say is something that you would, would recommend to them and, and that you've learned along the way? That, that I would say that someone in their 50s, mm -hmm. they've climbed that ladder. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm on the downside. I'm the one that's watching my feet so I don't fall where they go on the realms of a ladder. So I'm on the downside of that. I truly believe if people can accept the fact that that's where they are. There's too many of us that they worry about age where it's such an immaterial thing to worry about whether you're 50 or 80. Um, I've been fortunate not to have uh, some of the diseases that hit the elderly, and uh, I don't remember something sometimes. My children call it overload. Well, they won't let me use that term, overload. They say, you just sold, which, uh, is true, but no, if, if we climb it, you know, it's sort of, you know, like pyramid. You climb up to the top, and when you get up to the top, um, examples that I have seen is uh, in business is the pyramid, where you start down here at the bottom and your way, work your way slowly mm -hmm. to the top of the pyramid. Now you're on your downside, now it's when you're preparing to be my age. Mm -hmm. That's not hard to do. Um, I think things, we are, as human beings, we think things are my most priority. And to some people, things come before their children. Things is what's gonna be the downfall probably of all of us. We can, we need to learn to do without the things we don't need. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and when you get on that downside, that's the time to start giving it away to somebody that does want it and they can use it. Um, I think I've rambled off onto well, the subject. No, I think that, um you know, a lot of people they avoid they avoid the conversation of of death and dying. They um, it makes them uncomfortable. Um, I've seen it with things I've on written. what on death and dying. So I, I've seen it. I've heard it through even things I've written. Um, you know, and I I've I've seen people avoid the inevitable, and the inevitable yeah. is is that we all owe a death. Every single one of us will owe that. And we don't know when it's coming. No. Nope. We don't know how it's coming. And, and frankly, um, I don't think I would want to know. I don't either. No. And and I think that, you know, something that since you've gotten older, but also since you've been diagnosed with, with cancer, I think you and I have talked about death quite often. More than any of my children. 
Yeah, and I think that we've talked about it. I think to me, there's a, a great curiosity to to that. Um, but when you're you're, uh, you can tell. The fact is, you can tell that you have um, things have changed for you from the moment you were diagnosed and even last a year ago to now. Things have changed for you. Yeah. Do you feel like that your time is coming? Um, well, of course, mm -hmm. my time is coming. Um, I don't fear cancer and I don't fear death so we can get that out of the way but I think there's an urgency mm -hmm. in me to get some things done that I want to get done yep uh, and uh, the same in my writing uh, you know it's uh, right now I'm working on a bio um, very hard to tell the truth yep. about things. Anyone that thinks writing is they can take a pencil and a piece of paper and shoot out a book in two hours <laughs> needs to throw it away mm. because it, it don't work that way. Mm -hmm. But there's an urgency in me. I, uh, I'm I'm so happy every time one of my children call and say they're going to drop by. That makes my entire day. Mm -hmm. uh, when I get a text from them, when I get calls from them, and we have fun with that, I think, because I don't, rarely, I do not use the two thumbs to use text. I'm slow in that. And I talk into it using my voice, and it brings up words that I do not mean to say. Which How we all enjoy. <laughs> However, sometimes I do edit it and see what it is, and that's okay. But when I don't, my two sons take great pleasure in just pointing it out. Yep. And if it'll make them happy, that's okay but but no it's it's everybody wants winter to hurry up and get by and spring to get here i'm not in a hurry to get any of those seasons here i'm just going to wait till they come and and that's that's all we can do there are many pe people out there that have lost, they've lost mm. their children at 16 with drugs, at 20 with fentanyl that they've mm. gotten into. Um, so they, many, many people have had tragic things to go on in their lives, but we can't sit around and worry, is that going to be us? Yeah. We have been dying since the day we were born. It was just when. And I'm not going, that's not going to be part of my legacy. Mm -hmm. My legacy to my children is love and joy and happiness. That's all I can give them, and that's all I want to give them. I don't worry about the dying part. Yep. So you said a couple of things that, that I want to comment on. One is having the sense of urgency. The sense of urgency is to live, to, to do the things that you want to do while you're here now. You, you're writing, you have a message that you want to leave for people. Is That's what writers do. We leave messages for people, and whether they choose to read them or not is up to them, or, or even understand them or not. Um, but what I see in the world is often people talking about these things they want to do these dreams they have, and yet they waste a hell of a lot of time. They waste time scrolling on their social media. They waste time being angry at someone, resentful, bitter. Um, they waste time, uh, you know, 
being stubborn. Being stubborn, but they they also waste time watching Netflix and on and on and on when these, you know, quote unquote goals that they may set for themselves, they don't have a sense of urgency for. And I think that the great mistake that people can make is to wait until they are closer to death in order to all of a sudden have a sense of urgency to do the things they want to do. Finish that bucket list. You, you and, and I think that, you know, it, and it's about living in the moment now and doing the things that you want to do now. And whether that's, and, and I'm not talking about material things. Um, I'm not talking about the cars people drive, the house they live in. I'm talking about having in life experiences, about the love that you have in your life and about, um, you know, traveling and, and um, you know, being able to experience the world, but also sometimes the sense of urgency is to make sure that, you know, you might be sitting with the person that you love the most and, and watching the sunset. That's a sense of urgency. And one of these days it's gone, you know, and so, um, you know, I think that when when I when I sit here and I and I talk to you and I've talked to you for years about this, you know, because to me we should talk to older people so we can learn from them about how to live. And it's not it's it because we can learn from our own mistakes, but we can also learn from from yours as well. Yes. And and that's something that I think we also should not shy away from. The, you, you talk about a, you know, you talk about what you're leaving behind and you, and you talked about what you're, what you're staying here for. So you're, you've been staying here mainly for your children. Yes. You've been going through these treatments, which are no fun for your children, right? Right. So <clears throat> let's, let's talk about this for a moment. Let's go. Let's kind of go down down the list a little bit. If you can tell your each one of your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids and your sister something that you want to tell them so they can they can hear this and you want them to know because I am a firm believer that you tell people how you feel about them before they are gone or before you're gone. And we have to do that. We have to, we have to call people, text people, write people, whatever it may be, and tell them how we feel, but also what we want for them. And if you, if you could sit back and, and want to tell each one of your kids something, something positive that you want for them for their life, that you wish for them, what would it be? And let's, let's start with your, your eldest. Let's start with Pat. What would you want, want for Pat? I want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. To always find joy in living. That she's, it's all right to be alone or just be with her husband. She worries about that, about staying together. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong that's going wrong. It's just that. She's happy just she and Mike mm -hmm. being together. What I would like to see her do is enjoy life, as I said, a little bit better because they are staying at home, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. They are staying home mm -hmm. and they have each other, but I think they could, they're both retired, early, early mm -hmm. retiring. Mm -hmm. And their biggest trips are like uh, to Green Bay mm -hmm. or watching the football games or watching any ball game mm -hmm. that's out there. But for her, I'd like them to get, they, she talks about travel, mm -hmm. but you gotta get out and do it. Mm -hmm. Plan something for this year, yep. you know. And, uh, but she, I don't say much, because she is happy at just staying at home. Yeah, yeah. Some people are very content with that. And yeah. that's okay. Yep. You know, for her to do that. Um, I love her beyond belief. Mm -hmm. 
Pat for a long, long time after she got grown was my closest friend. Mm -hmm. And of course, things change. You get married, they have children, and her focus is on someone else. And that's what I want it to be. But I wish her happiness that yeah. and love. Yep. That is, if you can find love in your life, that is, that's something a lot of people don't get to experience. Yep. And Pat has found that, and I love her so for doing it. Yep. How about, um, how about Terry? My Terry, my Terry's Terry. She is a piece of my mother. Mm -hmm. um, she thinks and lives life like my mother used to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a joke with me and her. And my mother had there was, was a lot of things that my mother did was very good. So Terry has taken the good things of my mother yep. and ran with it, and I love her for that. Yep. I love her spunkiness. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she has found someone that she loves and mm -hmm. can be happy with. I wish her joy and happiness. They do travel and do things that they want to. If they sit down and say they want to go to Green Bay tomorrow, they get up and go. Mm -hmm. And they are living their life the way they want it to. I would like for her, my biggest wish for Terry is for she and Tom to live for themselves now mm -hmm. because their children are grown. Mm -hmm. They can do for themselves. Yeah. That's how you learn. And I would like to see Terry make herself happy yeah. and find joy. And I love her so much. Yeah. What about Carl? Carl, he is the family man. Mm -hmm. Just love him to death. He, he wants all of us to get together and enjoy ourselves. Not every day. We, we'd all get tired and run away if we had to see all of our family every day. But um, Carl likes to keep the, the family ties going. And I have to be very careful about saying I want anything because Carl listens to it and I've let it go across my brain one way or the other. He has his mother's welfare at, up in front as all times. He, he is a good father mm -hmm. and I, I just, I love him for the big heart mm -hmm. that he has. And he has a, a big heart, and it gets so full sometimes, I probably think it will burst. Mm -hmm. But he needs to think of himself as well, mm -hmm. and he needs to do what he wants to do now. Don't wait, don't put it off. If, if you want to buy a snowmobile, go buy it. Mm -hmm. we hit a certain age that if we haven't done these things, they're not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I love Carl so very, very much. He's like uh, very sensitive. He tries to do more than he has to. I wish him nothing but happiness and joy, and I hope he finds it soon. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, for the, 
for the sake of not having a three-hour podcast, let's summarize something that you would tell your grandkids, all of them, your grand, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. What is something that you would leave behind for them to carry with them? Because right now, some of them, they range anywhere, well, from baby, you know, on up to 40 years old. And um, there's a large range. Preston is 23. Yep. There, there is a large range, though, of from Elizabeth on down of grandkids. And they're at ages where some of them are trying to figure out their path in life. Some of them haven't even hardly started their path in life. And, um, and what, is, what is something that you would want to, some advice you'd want to leave behind for them? First off, they need to figure out where their path lies. Mm -hmm. It's not running to the grocery store, the ball game. That's, that's not what is in the mix here. But it's, it's your attitude, mm -hmm. how you look at life. I am, like you say, 83 and a half, and every day my spirit, my soul says, okay, you got to fix this. Mm -hmm. And we are given that inner intelligence to know whether or not we're following the right path. Mm -hmm. In order to follow that path, it may come from somewhere else. Someone else might have made a big mistake and that put a big impact on you. That you see yourself maybe going down that road mm -hmm. and say, oh no, I've got to change this. Gotta got to move out of this path. Take the path to the left instead of the one to the right. You won't be wrong. Your spirit will not tell you wrong. It's just being understood and figuring it out. I, it doesn't matter what kind of job you have. Not everybody can be president of the United States or a senator or mm -hmm. governor. Some of us have to build houses for a living um, clean sinks, mm -hmm. toilets, whatever. But n take what you want to do, take your job and find joy in your job. If you are not happy in the job that you have, you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. I want them to be satisfied with where they're at in life. But if they want more out of life, no, it's not gonna be handed to you. Mm -hmm. uh, Mom, grandma, daddy, nanny, mm -hmm. these people can maybe put out money for you to get on with your life. But I think you'll be a lot prouder of yourself if you figure it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy job to do because you have things thrown at you you thought never would happen, but it did. So you have to figure it out. Uh, some of my grandchildren uh, ha have figured out what they want to do uh, and they have the jobs that they're happy in mm -hmm. um, then I have grandchildren that still have a vision of what they want to become or what they want to have in their life well they got to work a little bit harder because mm -hmm. these grandchildren that already have it it was not handed to them. Mm -hmm. They had to work for it. 
I wish for them to be prosperous. I want to be happy and joy. Always have enough to eat and pay your bills. And that's all you need. And keep your heart full of love for everyone. We're not, we're not made out of the type of material that does not mess up sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have made more mistakes than I can count. I have tried to rectify them throughout the years. Sometimes I don't do a good job, but I do wish for my grandchildren to be happy, have joy in their life, and prosperous. Mm -hmm. let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your, um, I got a couple more people I want to talk about. And let's talk about your uh, sister Lynn down in Alabama. And, and what is something that, that you would like to be able to, to say to her and to a message that you would want to leave her? And for her to be able to, because this is something that people will be able to continue to listen to as much as they want from, from now until when you're gone. And that's why it's important. That, that's one good thing about technology is that we can listen to people's voices for the remainder of our lives. Right. Yep. Lynn. I have loved Lynn since the day she was born. Mm -hmm. I took care of her when other people that were supposed to be her caretakers didn't. They, before that, these, this caretaker waited on our mother to come home mm -hmm. and take over the job of taking care of Lynn. Then when I saw what was happening, I never was in any after school activities anyway in those days, and I'd hurry home. I would take care of Lynn mm -hmm. till mother come home. I She's just like one of my children. Mm -hmm. I've never looked at her any different than being one of my children. We've had differences as we aged in our lives. Um, and of course, without a doubt, I love her and I am sorry if I've ever offended her and she has to me, we have to accept responsibility for what we do then mm -hmm. and I have tried to be there for Lynn as long as I could um, I wish her happiness and joy as well and to prosperous Lynn is only 16 years younger than myself um, I think all I can say about that is that my love for her has not changed and it never has and never will. Mm -hmm. Time and distance means nothing. And of all the people that we talked about, when I leave here, I will take their love with me. Mm -hmm. And she has a special place in my heart and always will. Mm -hmm. I think she'll like to hear that. So, Charlotte. Charlotte passed away a little over 12 years ago, and she was your second child. Um, Char Charlotte, the great influencer of our lives, I think. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, somebody who I think brings tears to our eyes every time we mention her. And um, I think in many ways the glue that sort of kept our family together. She was the glue, yep. yes. I, I, think that, I think that there has been some, in my opinion, and, and anybody can dispute me on this, but there's been some splintering of our family since Charlotte has been gone. And, and I think that that's no coincidence. Um, of course there has and, been. And there might, there might be some... It, it might be mended again one day, hopefully, but I do think that sometimes someone's death can splinter uh, a family. 
And I think with Charlotte's complexities of being, <coughs> bi of being bipolar, of being, um, of having an intellectual disability, you know, I, I, I've written and talked about how much of an influence she's had in my life and in my choices I've made. But when you do leave this earth, do you feel like you're going to see her? Am I going to see Charlotte? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And, and what is something that you would say to her when you see her? I'm home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm home. Yeah. The, uh, I, I cannot imagine the, um, the torment of losing a child, because I, I don't have a child. Um, I cannot uh, imagine how that feels. I do know how it feels to lose a sister that I love very much, but I don't know how it, how it is to lose a child. So I would imagine that, that Charlotte is going to be waiting for you. And, and my little baby, four-legged <laughs> baby. Yep, and I would imagine Charlotte's pain that she had when she was here on this earth is gone, and I think your pain will be gone too. And I, and I, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll remember everything, but be, we'll be able to know mm. that I believe that we write what our lives are going to be mm -hmm. before we come to earth. I believe while we're here, we have the free will to make choices. Mm -hmm. We can take the left or the right around the tree. We don't always listen to our hearts, that spirits that say, no, don't go that way. But because of certain things, you go anyway. Charlotte <clears throat> was a very intelligent woman. Mm -hmm. um, her disabilities She was born in a time where help was not available mm -hmm. to her as it is now. Uh, I think my, my family, which includes all of my children and my grandchildren, uh, she was very smart. But she would get out and take care. She took care of Preston while he was little. Uh, Elizabeth and I, my oldest grandchild, we laugh. When Elizabeth takes me to the store, I'm pushing the buggy, the cart, mm -hmm. and I'll reach up and I'll get a can of soup and I'll hand it to Elizabeth right next to me, and she puts it in the cart and goes, thank you, Charlotte, mm -hmm. because that's what Charlotte used to do. Mm -hmm. She never put her, what she purchased in the cart herself. Mm -hmm. She would pick it up and hand it to Elizabeth, and we've laughed about <laughs> that. Uh, Charlotte taught Elizabeth a lot, and she helped raise Preston. Mm -hmm. If Charlotte was with us, she would be very exci excited about Malachi. Yep. That's Preston's little boy. She would be very excited. A lot of people didn't know, even with her disabilities, up at uh, Yahar House, mm -hmm. she was the head cook up there. Yep. And she would cook every day up to maybe 50 people. Yep. She got the recipes together, told them how to make it, mm -hmm. and all of this. She was responsible in a lot of different things. And I wish today that people that are in charge of taking care of anyone with that type of disability, which was uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, mm -hmm. uh, 
say the other one? Intellectual disability. Yes. And and Charlotte, some things that my children don't even know because I got it. Uh, Charlotte, too, was a writer. Mm -hmm. Charlotte would write me stories. And so uh, this writing thing has to be generic, mm-hmm. genetic. Genetic's the word, yep. not generic. That's me. Yep. Genetic. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, and she could, uh, but she knew how things were going. And like I was going to say, doctors and psychiatrists and them, she was over-medicated. Yep. She heard voices yep. in her head. I have been privy many times to these voices in her head. It scared her. Many times I've locked my doors with Charlotte on the other side because I didn't know where she was at, what level she was at in her disability, mm-hmm. what would happen. We need to, the health community needs to quit giving, medicate these people instead of letting them use other methods. Yeah. Meditation, yeah. reading, writing, taking a walk. Mm-hmm. There's other ways to take care and that's the reason I have such a high tolerance for pain. If it gets too bad on me, I will get up and take the dog for a walk. Yeah. By the time I get back, my depression has gone down yeah. to a such. But uh, yes, Charlotte was a glue that held his family together. We changed. We did not have as many picnics, mm-hmm. get-togethers. Uh, cookouts, those type of things. When Charlotte left, that left as well. And that needs to change. I don't care who you dislike in how they walk, how they talk, or what they said. If they're family, you need to make sure that the splinters are sanded down to a smooth operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that life's just too damn short to to hold anger, and we're human. We're human creatures, so you know this is all our own human experience. So we all we all have that. We all have anger. We all have maybe some resentment or whatever it may be in us. Um, but when it comes down to it, and and I think what we've been talking about here today is that. You know, when you when you are sort of at the end, when you when you have something uh, as traumatic as a you know being diagnosed with a an incurable cancer, being 83 and a half, getting to that point in your life where you know you know that it's closer to the end than your than your beginning, I, I would imagine, because even at at 52, I think I am 52 years old. I look and kind of think the same kind of things, but I think it's just too short. Life is way too short and too fragile in order to be hanging on to a lot of that. And I think that even, you know, and that, that's one of my final questions I have for you is, have, have you had to, during this time, have you had to do some reflection on your own life? Because I, I don't think that, I don't think anyone should um, should feel like that they are, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but I don't think anyone should should regret, have regrets. I think regrets are a waste of time. But at this point in your life with everything that you've been fighting and, and knowing, you know, what the outcome is going to be here, do you have things that you had to reflect on and maybe forgive as well? And, and have you had to find some forgiveness and some of the things that you've held on to, whether that be dad, your own mother, 
whatever that may be, if you had to, and you don't have to get into detail if you don't want to, but if you had to kind of find that within yourself to do that while you're still here. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely do. You have to, uh, you have to give up what I have, the, to go back short in just a quick summary of what the cancer that I have, it's a slow killer. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be better choice of words, but I about don't have bru- them. How about brutal son of a bitch? Well, it, it is. Okay. The, uh, the trouble with um, multimyeloma is that uh, that cancer don't kill you. There's treatments. There com- there's going to come a time where the treatments just absolutely are out of range and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen more or less than anything else is that I'll get an infection or something like that that's going to put me in the hospital and that will get me. But it is a slow, I put it to like a good friend of mine, Judy. She had pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer. The doctor had all of the information that he needed. And she went in and he looked at her and told her to get her affairs in order that she might have two weeks. That's what an extent is was. First time I'd ever heard of anybody just pinpointing a day. Judy lived two weeks to the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she passed away on Sitnamai. I believe that's May 20-something. Yeah. And, uh, but it was so quick. They, they took care of her pain, you know. Of course, we have medicine to do that. And you're foolish if you don't take it because you can't, Stay with your children if they give you so much pain medication you you're incoherent and uh, but what I have I wake up every morning saying well thank you God right now you give me another day so therefore I have to live day by day mm-hmm. us doing this for you. I I love doing it because I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you've you've overlooked. You've you've thought of everything, but you have overlooked yourself. Hmm. You didn't ask me what I thought about Chuck. Overlooking myself, huh? There definitely was overlooking yourself. Chuck mm-hmm. has made mistakes in his life. He worries about them. He studies them. And he corrects them. I wish for him and Karen, love, joy, and happiness. And I hope that they continue doing everything that they do. But let's not close this until I've brought you and Carl Hmm. into one subject. I know that my girls love me. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's without a doubt. Uh, however, I seem to be GPS <laughs> by my voice. They know where I'm at every moment. If I leave the building I leave, live in, they call me, where are you going? Mm-hmm. What you going to do? Chuck and Carl, they have supported me in everything that I could possibly want or do. They always see that my refrigerator has food in it 
which they don't have to, but this is their stubbornness <laughs> in there. Uh, but they always see that I get picked up now that I don't drive and taken places. Them and their wives have taken me to my chemo that once a month. But Chucky wants to know what I've done lately, what on my, what's on my mind. Carl wants to know that I'm okay, what's on my mind. They're both have been the most wonderful sons that a mother could have. And I've always said, for some reason, God didn't mean for me to have a good marriage. Mm. But he gave me the most excellent children that any mother could want. That's all four of them. And one person who has diligently taken me everywhere I needed to go whether it be shopping or grocery stores or to chemo, doctor's appointments, is my oldest grandchild, Elizabeth. And I want all the other children to always be appreciative of Elizabeth, how much she has given to provide for me. But all of, I've got the greatest children in the world. I wish I could do more for them, but I can't, and I allow that sometimes to be first on my mind when I know I shouldn't. I, I have a wonderful family, and that includes my sister who lives in Alabama. I. I wish that everyone that's listening could have the family that I do because I never want for anything. Last but not least for me, Chuck and I are going to see the Van Gogh exhibit Christmas Eve. That is a, something that I just could jump up and down and cheer for, <laughs> but I'm gonna get to go. That's what the boys do, and things like that. And Terry and Pat, too, come up with so many little things. I want to end my part of this, that all we have is love. And, we and I know that we take it with us. Mm -hmm. Thank think, you for having me do all this. Yeah, I, I think that this is a, a good a good way and a good place to end. I I recently wrote a, a blog about you again from a conversation that we we had a while back about you talking about things that that you may have wished you would have done through your lifetime when you were younger, the decisions that you made, and things like that, and your purpose and. Um, you know, and, and as I wrote, and as I said to you then, I think your purpose was to be a mother. I think that's why you're, you're here. And that's the bottom line. And I think that, um, that there's probably no greater purpose. Um, that was my vision to always be a good mother. Mm -hmm. And like every other mother, mother um, and I include Lynn in on this as part of my children. Every mother has had difficulties with their children. Every, all of them, all of them. They've had difficulties of things that were said and done, but it's hard, very hard to be truthful. And 
probably one of my downfalls is that I cannot tolerate lies, telling lies, and the only reason that I won't, I will stand back and, and misinterpret the truth is if it's going to hurt somebody else. Sometimes I fail at that, too. I'm just human. But yes, I think that would be the greatest thing that I could have in life is to be a good mother. Yeah. Um, because you can be a mother and do a lot of things on the side, like writing and painting mm -hmm. and such. Uh, just being a mother doesn't stop you from having your own personality and have the, all your own things that you wanna do and things that you didn't get to do, the things that you have waited too late. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, doing this with me and um, we'll end it here. And I hope for all you listeners out there that you know, you've learned something today um, not only about life, but about death and dying, about forgiveness, about um, meaning out of life, and uh, take that with you. And especially for all of my siblings and, and my uh, nieces and nephews and, and just family in general, um, hopefully you have captured these words that were told to you today and, and hopefully you'll listen to them um, when you need them most and we'll continue to listen to them. So take care. Until next time, this is Nothing to Prove.